Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity to be reminded this morning that this is not the end, that you are good, how great you are. I thank you that I'm reminded that I'm not crazy, (laughs) that I'm not alone. I thank you, Father, for the testimony of the Crawfords as they stood up yesterday and were able to worship you in the midst of pain and sorrow. Thank you for Jen Klaus and her faithfulness and Scott as they go through a really hard valley. And uh, when it's not easy to sing, but by faith they choose to. I thank you for men who rise up early and um, choose to come and get in your word, encourage each other, and before they have to go out into the madness of this world and fight traffic and return phone calls and do things they don't want to do. So would you just encourage our hearts today? Would you open our eyes to what it is you want to show us? And <clears throat> would, you, uh, would you help us to be just humbly obedient to what it is you're calling us to? We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, well, <clears throat> I remember a few years ago, I had the opportunity to go with a couple of friends, several friends actually, uh, to Israel. And we spent about two weeks there. And <clears throat> it was awesome. It was everything you thought, would think it would be and, and even and more. And, but what was so hard for me, one of the things I remember about that trip, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things I remember about that trip is I was so excited to finally go to Israel, people had told me about what it was going to be like, what we were going to see. I was, I was just excited. I'd be with friends. I mean, that's a, a lot of our folks from our staff, some of our elders. And uh, I mean, just guys I've been doing life and ministry with for a long time. And I was excited to go, finally get there. And <clears throat> what I remember is the first night, right? I mean, you know what it's like to travel that far. I mean, to get on a plane and you travel for hours, and, uh, and you get there and you're excited. We arrive at night and you would hope that at that point you could go to sleep, wake up the next morning and hit it. Not my experience. Get in bed, eyes wide open. We're in Israel. I can't sleep. First whole night. I can't sleep. Thank you. I can't sleep. Wake up the next day, everybody's well-rested. Somehow they're able to sleep. And I'm sitting there going, man, I didn't sleep a wink. But it's okay. I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm excited. And uh, start my, going throughout the day. And I recognize, man, uh, not only is my internal body clock off, but the customs here are different than what I'm used to. The food here is different than what I'm used to. Sorry, <clears throat> got to get my 6.30 preacher voice ready. The uh, currency is different. I feel like I am in a different world. And you know what happened? The next night, you would think I'd be tired. No, no. I was a little more tired during the afternoon. By the night, internal body clock, still off. I mean, it was days. When everybody was sleeping, I was awake. When I wanted to sleep, everybody was awake and we were going. And I felt like an alien. I felt like I am swimming upstream. I cannot adjust. 
And uh, we had an outstanding trip. But when I think about that trip, I, th- I remember how frustrated I was because I could not get acclimated. And let me ask you something. Is that sometimes true of you? Do you feel like sometimes because of who you follow and what you believe, it is hard for you to feel like you fit in? Do you feel like you stand out sometimes? Do you feel like what you value? Do you feel like the things that are, um, the truths that you hold to cause you to swim upstream amongst your peers and those you work with, family members, loved ones? Other times people look at you and be like, what is wrong with you? I mean, what is wrong with you? You're up at 6.30 and you're singing. What is wrong with you, Daniel and Kelly Crawford? Why are you singing even though you're, you lost your son at 15 days old? What's wrong with you, Jennifer Klaus, when you have cancer? Man, you've got a four-year-old little boy. And it does not look good. What is wrong with you when you choose to live with integrity when you know those around you would just encourage you perhaps to look the other way. And this morning, we're beginning our study of the book of Mark. And it's, it's one of four gospels. And my, my hope today is just in a very short amount of time, is just introduce the book to you, give you the background of the book, and then allow you to go and gather with men in small groups to share a little bit about your story and, um, and where you are on this journey. But I will tell you what's so great about this book is the book of Mark was written to um, Gentiles who were being persecuted for what it is they believe. You see, sometimes we feel like we're swimming upstream a little bit. And by the way, you should feel that way. There should be a little bit of sense in you of like, man, I, I feel like my body clock's a little different than everybody else's. What I value, the way I live, it's a little different. And that's okay. Because let me just tell you, the more and more you follow Jesus, the more and more you purpose to live your life, picking up your cross, the world does wonder, and what are you doing? Who are you? Why do you believe that? So much so that during the time in which Mark wrote his gospel, men and women were being persecuted to the point of death. You see, you may feel like you're swimming upstream a little bit, may be chastised here and there, may sometimes wonder if you're crazy, but it's different when you literally are having to face the threat of physical persecution and torture and even death. And so this is a book that was written to those who were swimming upstream. This is a book who was written to those who were facing persecution because of what they believed. And they were living according to that. And it was to encourage and to remind them they're not crazy. And to tell them that if you want to follow Jesus... It comes at a cost. There's a price to following Christ. And what's unfortunate, what's sad, I think so often in, in our world, it, is that in our social context, in Dallas, Texas, in North Texas, sometimes that's not real clear. 
We tell people that God is good and he is good. And, and we're not um, as honest as scripture is honest that Jesus wants to do more than just make us happy. <laughs> In fact, he's calling us to come and die and to lay down our lives, to follow him, to serve others, because there's something much greater than just temporal pleasure and satisfaction this world offers. And there's an opportunity to know the one true God. There's an opportunity to experience an abundant life, not through more cars and money and prestige and power and position, but by submitting and yielding yourself to the God who made you in his image. And there's a joy that's available to you that even when you face cancer and even when you face death, you're able to say, oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, death, where's your victory? As Paul is. So we start Summit, we kick off Summit looking at the Gospel of Mark. And I realize, I don't want to take anything for granted, I realize for some of us, we've never read a Gospel. We've never even, maybe even been a part of a Bible study. And so I just want to tell you, what are the Gospels? Even as believers who have had Bibles for a long time, the Gospels can sometimes be confusing. You know, there's four of them, right? There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when you read them, sometimes they feel to blend together. And you're kind of like, why, why do we go from one story to the next story to the next story to the next story? I mean, it sounds, sometimes it feels like, hey, man, you need an editor. <laughs> because I'm not sure how this is supposed to flow. And what I want to suggest to you is the Gospels are like mosaics. Each writer is making a point. They're making an argument. They're telling you something about Jesus Christ. They want you, they want to persuade you. They are writing to persuade you. But they're theological mosaics in which multiple stories are put together to paint a portrait. The Gospel of Mark specifically is written to show you that Jesus is the servant, a suffering servant. He is the Son of God who came to lay down his life so that you may live. He's distinct from Matthew, Luke, and John who all wrote for a different purpose. And Mark's more like a preacher. His presentation is more dramatic. You're going to see an emphasis on miracles. He wrote to the Romans, who were the, the, uh, the uh, world empire of the day. The key word is immediately. You will notice that when you open up the book of Mark. It doesn't take much to observe that. Why do we continue to see the word immediately, 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 immediately? And I will tell you, it's because Rome respected one thing, power and authority. And you see that here comes Jesus Christ. And whatever he says and whatever he does, it happens immediately. Because he acts with authority. And you see the key chapter is chapter 10. And the key verse is chapter 1045. Which says, for even the son of man did not come to be served. But to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, that's crazy, gang. I mean, just stop and think about that. For even the son of man, for even God incarnate. For even the creator of heaven and earth, for even the one who is sovereign and omniscient and all-powerful, even he did not come to be served, 
but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark is distinct from the other gospels. And I think you're going to be encouraged because it is, it is a book of action. You'll see, we're going to cover just at the spring, we'll finish it in the fall, but in the spring, we're going to cover chapter one is a presentation of who Jesus is. It's not as long of a presentation and a buildup as Matthew will give you and Luke will give you. You don't see birth narratives. You don't see uh, prophecy about his birth and his coming. I mean, we just move to action. You got John the Baptist, you have a baptism, and boom, Jesus is healing and demonstrating his authority and his power. It is a book of action and forward moving. He immediately experiences opposition and hardness of heart. Notice who, who recognizes who Jesus is from the very beginning and who doesn't. Do you know who immediately recognizes who Jesus is? The demons of hell. And so Mark presents this, this war where God, this rescuer, this redeeming king, this conquering king has come to earth to overthrow Satan and to demonstrate and to show God's power and his love for us. And so you will see opposition and hardness of heart and then you will see instruction and predictions where Jesus turns to his disciples as he gathers them and he says, hey, let me tell you what's about to happen. And the book ends with a Great emphasis on uh, the final days of Christ and the passion when leading up to his, his death and his resurrection. Because the whole book wants to point you to why Jesus came. You have on your uh, page there just a little chart I put together that gives you some background information. I'm not going to read all of that to you, but you'll see, and I want to point out to you who Mark is. You'll see when it was written, the purpose is to show that Jesus is the perfectly obedient servant of God and what it costs to follow him. You're going to see that in God's economy, gang, it is a very upside down economy. The things that God values, the things that God honors is very, is very different than the things we honor and we value as a society. If you are living as God is calling you to live, if you are following in the footsteps of what Christ is calling you to do, then you do constantly feel like an alien and stranger in this world. It feels like you have jet lag. You sometimes wonder, am I crazy? Because it seems to me that everybody else is going in a different direction. And that's why we gather that's why we do rise up early. That's why we, not just you just come and hear a talking head, but when we're done every week, you get with other men and you flesh out what it is that God's word has to say in application in your life. And you pray with each other, you remind each other, we sing as a declaration of faith. I just want to show you one key verse. There's several here and I would encourage you to read through the book of Mark where do you see God's economy reflected? I told you that one of the key chapters here is, is chapter 10. And so just turn there real quickly. And I'm going to cut us loose. Mark 10, verse 
Mark chapter 10 says this, and Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. <laughs> and whoever would be first among you shall be slave of all. I mean, what? To be great is to serve? To whoever is going to be first has to, must first be a slave? And then that's where you see this verse that is the centerpiece, right, of the, of the whole book, is the central message of the book, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, for even God. Jesus is saying, hey, for even me. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life away. It was a ransom for many. See, God's, in God's economy, gang, the things that this world values are turned completely upside down. And so that is a theme we see throughout the, the book of Mark, that as we purpose to live according to God's economy, expect opposition. Expect trials. Expect difficulty. Expect people wondering, man, are you crazy? And no, it is Okay. When you feel like you're swimming upstream. And know that to the degree that you are swimming upstream and praying to a God that no one ever no one can even see, right? And singing by faith and declaring his goodness and that this isn't the end. You are no fool. You are no fool. Some of the themes you're going to see is the servanthood of Christ, the cost of discipleship, which simply means what does it cost to follow him? As I said, it portrays Jesus as a man of action and power. He is always on the move. He is moving constantly. There's questions regarding his identity. It shows the portrait of him as a suffering servant. You see those key words immediately at once. Even the word and is repeated 1,100 times. And so it's, and this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and immediately, and immediately, and at once. Whatever Jesus wants to occur, nothing can stop him. And I want to encourage you as a group just to look through the unique features there that make Mark different from the other Gospels. You'll also see at the very bottom of your chart is a place where you can write in a chapter title, what happens in that book, what you think the key verse is, and then just mark the verses that cause you to ask questions. That's what that is at the bottom there. And then together as a group, when we meet each week, and as you gather in small groups, you could talk about, hey, what is it that I saw in this book, or in this chapter rather? What's the verse that I thought was central to this whole chapter? What questions did this raise? And there's no right or wrong answer on what you think the key verse is, right? And so, but it is helpful discussion to spend some time and just go, hey, this is what I got out of this. This is how I titled this chapter. This is where it fits within the whole. And we've given you um, a great book written by uh, Tim Keller, 
on the book of Mark. And we just would encourage you, you have a, a schedule there. As you read through each uh, chapter that's assigned, I would encourage you also when it says the Keller book, that's what we're referring to as this. This is really, I think, it's going to be like a tour guide. And I think you're going to be encouraged and blessed by his insights. And it's going to enrich your conversation, right? We're going to break up and you're going to have an opportunity to go into different groups. And on your name tag is a number. And that's the room number in which you're going to go, go to. If it's just a simple number, then you're going to be around uh, this auditorium on the second floor right here. If you're in the tower, then on the second or third floor, I'm going to ask that you go across the bridge and then you'll be on the second floor of the tower. And if you're on the third floor, if you'll take the stairs so that you can clear up the elevators for those that are going to go up to six, seven, and eight, and we'll just make that a little faster. Um, Bobby, anything else I'm not thinking of? Got it? All right. Hey, gang, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged just by you being here. And if there's a way which we can encourage you specifically, answer questions for you, right? Encourage your group, help you, we want to know. We want to know. So uh, if this is, I know I did, did not mention this. If this is your first time here and you don't have a number, if you'll come up here to the front, we'd love to meet with you up here and we'll get you in a group. All right, let me pray for us. Father, thanks for these men. Thank you, Father, for the book of Mark. Thank you, Father, that this is not the end. Thank you, Father, that you are good. And Lord, encourages us, encourage us, I pray. Remind us of these truths when we try to, and purpose our lives to live according to your will. And uh, Father, thank you for the example set for us in Christ, who shows us the way of life. And thank you that when we know you, Lord, uh, there is peace and there is joy and there is pleasure that only you can provide. In Christ's name, amen.